Live from the Stone Age, it's the Clan Fire, a primordial podcast about Plangea, a prehistoric campaign setting for 5th edition. I'm Adam. I'm Finn. I'm Avalon. And I'm Zoe. And tonight, we're digging into the stories of your characters with our Plangean backgrounds. Also, if you hadn't noticed, we have a new speaker with us tonight, Zoe, uh, who's in our Bitewater actual play sessions. He's joining us tonight as a speaker on our discussion podcast. Welcome, Zoe. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to have you here. Anyway, Good to be here. that's wonderful. So uh, we are going to be covering Plangean backgrounds from being a caretaker of your clan's youth to the classic hunters and gatherers of prehistoric peoples. You're going to have all the choices you can imagine for your own character. We'll walk you through some of our favorites, show you how to use some of them the best, and highlight how these backgrounds can fit into our primordial world. Before we get into our main discussion for the night, though, I have a few quick announcements. First, we are happy to say that all Kickstarter backers should now have access to the alpha playtest version of the book, um, of the Sh- Star Shaman Song of Plangea. Um, Atlas has finished their first round of edits, and some of the studying, stunning art from our talented artists has come in. Uh, so you can now see for yourself and read alongside us as you listen in tonight on the Clan Fire. Um, Moving on from that very happy news is another happy news. We're, we're going to be running another festival. Uh, if you weren't around for the first of these, I think we've had two of them, actually, on our uh, Plangea Discord server, um, we are going to put together another now, which is called the Festival of the Clans. Each entrant will have the opportunity to post one message about each of your uh, very own brand new clan found somewhere in the world of Plangea. This could be a clan that you made up for your game that you're running as a DM. This could be a, a, a clan that you made up as of, on your own as a backstory for your character. Anything you like. Uh, you can elaborate on their key leaders, their philosophy, their strengths and weaknesses, any special survival tactics. Um, but uh, the winning entry, so uh, selected by our author, David, uh, will receive their clan's god or other thematic monster um, as a set of stat blocks created by Dan who led the Monster and God design of the book. Um, he's definitely going to be very happy to get back to designing monsters. It's pretty much his favorite thing. Um, but if you're looking for more details on the Festival of the Clans, head over to our official Discord server. Uh, the link will be in the description, so you can head, that, head there, and it should all be available for you. Um, all right. With that, I think that's enough news. Let's hop right back into the discussion. Backgrounds. So... What are they? What do we have? We've got a lot of backgrounds in the book. Uh, the idea behind them was to have uh, more thematic and fitting storylines for your characters than the ones provided in 5th edition usually. If you look at the kind of default list of backgrounds that uh, Wizards of the Coast provides, they're not as relevant to a primordial world sometimes. So uh, it kind of gets a little difficult to use any of those in Plangea at all. So we decided to provide a list of our own so that you could, you know, fit in better with the clan life and everything like that. I think there's like, I think I, didn't, I haven't counted them recently, but there's like 16 backgrounds that we have that are really all super uh, involved in the world when you choose one of them. Um, I myself uh, want to start with us focusing a little bit about kind of the type of uh, backgrounds that we have. Uh, there's backgrounds that are you're from a specific place in Plangea, and there are backgrounds that are you have a role or a job, you know, a certain job that you've done in your past in Plangea. So 
to start, there's there's the the three classics that people will love to see, which are the uh, ape, bear, and lion clan backgrounds. Uh, these are wonderful to see because they allow you to just be like, okay, what if I was part of this this large, uh, important clan in the world? Um, and I I love seeing that. So, what are uh, of these three uh, uh, ape, lion, and bear clan? Um, backgrounds what do, what do we think about these three what what is the, some of the better uh little advantages of choosing one of these well i don't want to immediately uh reject talking about what you had uh brought up but i will say we <laughs> oh, also sorry. have uh, a whale clan background which oh, is, while not point. one of the three brothers it provides a lot of opportunities and it's not the uh it's uh not the background i was focusing on talking about the most uh for uh our little podcast right here but it is I don't know, just like kind of out on the waters. That's that's of the backgrounds. That's the one that uh, is clan related, most interesting to me. Yeah, that's fair. There's a lot to do with the whale clan that we love to see. I think we have some some ape and bear and lion clan members in here. I think Ava, what did you choose on? I forget. Have you are you a oh, lion God. clan member? Well, a bear clan see, member? Here's right the now? thing. What, are you? I, <laughs> what am I indeed? <laughs> I was while well, I was not a. Um, God was it a moderator on the yeah. server? I was a plan, and now I'm everything. I can see all of the channels. Ooh. Hide your wares. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was uh, like, I when David was publishing the clans, I was like, oh, a plan, definitely, hundred um, percent. And I'm st- I still kind of feel that way. They're a little like traveling through yeah. Nod. And I think it just like has a lot of great thematic elements that are really unique to just the a plan. Absolutely. And and in the background that we have in the book, you can see all of that. I mean, it kind of yeah. shows up in each of those, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's wonderful. Especially you can see kind of like, especially I noticed in the ideals uh, that each of the ape clan members could could potentially have. Um, you can definitely see uh, like the the types of people that they end up being like you know there's the whole thing of kind of trying to create think creatively around the problem and you know, figure out some sort of like not necessarily always stealthy or like uh subversive but just kind of like ingenuity right like you're saying yeah um i i, I love that idea yeah. that Dave clan is uh, fully filling in there <laughs> I don't know if we yeah. uh if we, if we get too much into this we're just going to be doing the we're going to be repeating the uh little wars on the the discord server about oh uh <laughs> which clan is best and we're not going <laughs> to spend true. any time talking about the other backgrounds. <laughs> That's a good point. We should we should go and make sure we go all around Plangia to cover all the backgrounds that we have at least just to talk about the type of uh things that you can get from them for sure. Um Tied also to kind of location as well as kind of clan, we have, I think there's three uh, backgrounds in here that are each tied to a particular city. One of the three major cities in Plangia, there is Searfall, uh, Free, Free Citadel, and Edgegather. Uh, so we have the Edgegatherers, which is a mouthful a little bit, uh, the Free Citizens, uh, and the Searfallites. That's also a little bit of a Wait, mouthful. Searfallites? Seerfallite. Seer, is that yeah. really what we they're, need? They're a seerfallite. I, I think that's what it is. As in socialite? Yeah, but it it is a is a, a demonym uh, suffix. That's I'm a, never that's getting a over that. Pair of no, words that I like. Just said. The only reason any of those anything for like real world real world places works as well is just because somebody somebody did it 
like years and years ago, and now that's just what's accepted. All of them sound weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. No matter what, they are going to be a little off. <laughs> that's fair. Um, yeah. So, what about these uh, these three location backgrounds? What do we think of these? Like, what what is the use of having a, a background of I'm a city boy when <laughs> there's not usually a bunch of cities that people are going around in? Like, that's definitely a unique choice, right? If you're going to choose one of those cities to be your where you're from what what defines you as a person i mean i definitely i think that like that alone as there aren't a lot of city boys traveling around yeah you're already pretty unique yeah that's um yeah and i mean it's just like it also gives you a way to flavor your character as something you'd find more like common fantasy um true true yeah i think i mean that's my opinion on that no, that's super fair. And now that I think about it, I was mentioning those default 5e backgrounds before. Um, and in a way, you could kind of say, oh, I'm an, 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 I'm an edge gatherer, but I'm also like, I'm an edge gatherer. Um, what's it? What's one of the, I don't urchin? even know off the top of my Yeah, merchant. Like, yeah, you could choose. Oh, you could I either, said urchin. But oh, urchin. Sorry. Merchant. <laughs> urchin. Uh, both of those could work, honestly, though. Uh, you edge could, gather, yeah. you could do charlatan, too. Oh, that would be Oh, perfect. my God. Yeah. That would be perfect for Edge Gather, absolutely. Yeah, you. So, you, so in. I don't even know if we provide this as like a possible <laughs> rule in here, but I would allow my players to kind of modify um, an existing background with a plain gene background. I think that would be a super interesting way to do that. There are like rules in the in in like the player's handbook about like creating your own background, so you could kind of mix and match it a little bit depending on what your DM says. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And so, yeah, you could you could do like you're saying the edge gatherer charlatan, <laughs> the uh, whatever whatever however you want to put that. There's probably some sort of place in edge gather that you could specifically tie down where exactly you'd be from if you'd have that <laughs> that background. <laughs> the edge gather. There's an edge gather uh, map now in the book in the alpha playtest version, and it's awesome. It's so expansive and crazy and chaotic and everything it's it's wonderful there's gonna be maps for all three there are already maps for all three i think in the book um just gonna be more fleshed out in the final version something i really like about uh just any any of the specific location backgrounds is they uh give uh the dm and any players an excuse to really go into some of the lore there which isn't necessarily as true of some of the more like oh i'm from a clan out in the middle of wherever uh, because there's there's a there's a not insignificant part of uh, playing G and fantasy that is like being out wandering, um, being a nomad. But there are a lot of really cool locations, and just starting with a character from one of those locations um, both opens up a lot of like potential plot hooks. Because you know when you when you're in a clan of like a hundred people, and that's the people you see most of the time, um, it's there's less people to be connected with. Um, whereas if you're from a city, it's very possible to be like, oh yeah, here's like this group that I interacted with and therefore like, oh, well, I, I know not this specific person, but I'm affiliated with so-and-so and thus uh, something, something plot hook. So anything that really opens up a lot of, uh, a lot of opportunities like that is uh, something I'm a fan of. I think to that point though, um, about the, like having lore, I think before the book had been like out in any capacity, it was a little bit harder to connect with some of those backgrounds because you're like, well, I don't 
really know what's here per se. Like if I want to go looking for it, I'd have to dig through old Reddit posts and maybe I don't necessarily, those aren't like up to date. So I think maybe like part of probably why I've been so quiet the past few discussions right now is the fact that like some of the more specific backgrounds were a little bit harder to be like, well, what does this mean? Because I didn't have access to the lore until very, very recently. So like the, the the background that I picked is my favorite is like a very sort of general background, but that's because I felt like I could mold it comfortably without being like, oh, am I conflicting with the lore here? Or does this actually make sense kind of thing? Um, but now that the book is out, I think you're absolutely right. There's a little bit more, the, those would be more accessible and you can actually really get into Plangia uh, more so than maybe some of the other backgrounds where you're kind of just like pulling things together and you can fall into the trap of like stereotype a little bit more. That is a really good point, though, especially because uh, I can I can definitely get the sense of like a player who isn't as familiar with Plangia. Because of course, I mean, it's up to the DM to usually like sell the players on Plangia in the first place, right? Like this this uh, primordial world, and then getting them interested in and maybe reading some of the material um, is like not all PCs are going to do that. That's just the thing. Not all PCs are going to want to learn that much about the world in general. So having there be options for um, hey, just just say that I'm part of this clan somewhere. Like that's fine. I don't I don't care where I'm from. Or having their on the other side, yeah, someone who has read the book or did read the material that the DM sent them or something and says, "Oh, wow, this this place seems really interesting. Yeah, I do want to be from Free Citadel." And then they can fully lean into that once they're getting more invested. So like you're saying, it's really good to have those like divergent options there of of types of players who want to choose a, a certain background. They wouldn't all necessarily choose the one that's very tied to like a piece of the lore. Uh, and so they they want some of these other ones, which actually is a good slight transition because I did ask each of uh, my speakers here to uh, pick one of the backgrounds in the book that spoke to them um, and each kind of uh, just bring it up so we can uh, mention a little bit more. Because some of them, we're not going to go through every single background uh, in the book in detail, uh, but I thought it'd be nice to like kind of focus in on a couple of them there. So Zoe, you mentioned uh, the one that you picked. What, what did you pick again? Uh, so I picked Captive and I really picked this one because that was the background I used for Kova. Um, oh, and I really enjoyed playing that character and I enjoyed the thing that I really enjoyed about it is that I used um, an element of the background to kind of inform how I played my character, which was, I guess, a little bit off-brand for how paladins usually go. Um, I looked at the thing I focused on was the 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 anger aspect. If I pull it up real quick, um, yeah, there's um, da, 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 da. one of them is. I'm so sorry. I literally no, had it. It's like there's um lists of things that she's looking through right now. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> lots of text, but no worries. It was a personality trait specifically. Um, um, when I fight, I recklessly unleash is. all the pent up fury and rage from my time of captivity, and I kind of used yeah. that and I like took it to inform um, her. Uh, I think she was a vengeance paladin, um, oh. and 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 I played I played it. I was told I played it a little bit like a, like a controlled barbarian, which I thought was interesting. Um, and I, I enjoyed I enjoyed inhabiting that character a lot, um, and kind of how how my background as as someone who was a captive but eventually uh, liberated herself and fought against her um, oppressors. And uh, one of the fun things I, I talked about, I think, with Dan was that her armor that she wears is a combination of uh, bone and stone. And the bones are from uh, the slain her slain captors, and I liked oh, like yeah, <laughs> I liked wow. kind of incorporating that history um, with uh, who she was and how she like carried herself and portrayed herself a lot. Oh, that is 
Amazing. Yeah, that's very evocative, too, when you kind of just, like, describe the character and you're like, hmm, yeah, they seem to have, like, humanoid bones on their armor. Like, you're like, huh, that's pretty badass in general. Pretty metal. And, yeah, she ended up being a pretty fun character and she did some some pretty badass things, I think. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I remember that was, I believe, for the Voice in the Vaults playthrough? Yes. Yes, it was. You all can check that out. It is on, uh, we have that posted on the clan fire. That is one of our earlier episodes. If you haven't already checked that out, you can go watch that playthrough of our Echo of Plangea. Uh, it's supposed to be a one shot, but you know it ended up being a couple episodes, or I think two episodes, maybe. Um, anyway, so that is you can check that out if you're curious about Kova, and it was it was a really fun uh, character to watch you play as well. Uh, I think the captive <laughs> brought that out in in you there. That it definitely helped there. That's awesome. Thank um, you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, you can see there's a, there's a line here also in uh, the book about the captive that says, former captives have been through true suffering and terror, maybe meek or aggressive, composed or wild. They really, <laughs> it's kind of has a, like, you can kind of take it in whatever direction of, like, how you're reacting to your past trauma. <laughs> um, and yeah, that, that was an, a really fascinating direction to pull it, for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much for for pulling pulling that one out for us to talk about. It's a great one to, to focus in on. Um, okay, let's move to the next person who chose one. I think Ava chose. Uh, was it caretaker that you chose, Ava? Yeah, I chose caretaker. I think it stood out to me the most as someone who wouldn't necessarily become an adventurer. Mm-hmm. Like I think if you're a take a take carer, a caretaker. You have a certain like responsibility towards whoever you're taking care of. Um, and so I think it just like can create really interesting narrative elements for like, why are you on the quest? Like what happened to the people you were taking care of? Like, are they like waiting for you at home? Are they not waiting for you at home? Um, I don't know. I think it's like I just I'm really interested in kind of that archetype and i also it just like it stood out to me as something that i think you could really run with because it kind of doesn't align with what i feel like adventures normally are yeah yeah it's definitely outside the norm yeah you're not your your background isn't usually mom or you know like people's backgrounds in D aren't usually like you know i i'm i'm a nurturer <laughs> like they're usually a little more violent than that but i guess care- caretakers can be violent when they're protecting the people that they care about right yeah i mean it makes for a great like guardian um obviously but also like i'd be so interested in like a scavenger caretaker what would that look like how would it go that would or be so fun kind of also you could imagine kind of pushing the boundaries a little bit of who, of how you who you consider to be a caretaker. Like they could have even been a caretaker in this like you know uh, scavenger band of like you know like I don't right. know they're on the run all the time and they're stealing stuff, but like they still I don't know they pick up a couple kids every once in a while or they have kids themselves and like someone needs to take care of the kids. So like I don't know you just took that role. Um, right. Yeah. That yeah, could yeah, be yeah. Super weird, but cool. Right. Like yeah, that's not. <laughs> not the expected um look for a scavenger in the first place for sure <laughs> real uncle vesemir moment oh, <laughs> yeah that would be a pretty badass way to take that as well yeah he'd be a caretaker right yeah it checks out 
and the idea that you brought up, Ava, of uh, where where are they now? <laughs> where are the 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 young? Oh the yeah, take care of now. Like that is a super obviously a big uh, <laughs> boon to your DM. Just hand that to your DM. Say <laughs> like, maybe I don't know where they are now. The DM oh, can God. decide and have them show up whenever, or show the show up dead whenever, or you know, like whenever they want to, you know. Dig the knife in yeah, a little bit. Definitely <laughs> built in built in narrative device there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Free and, emotional uh, damage. <laughs> oh yes. Oh man. Free psychic damage. Easy. Easy. Um I also kind of love the idea of um having the kids be grown up now. And that's why you're oh, that'd be so fun. Right. Like, like that's that. why you're off adventuring, is they're grown up. You're all done. Like you, you took care of your kids, they're they're off doing something else. Um, but then maybe they come and help you out or something later on, or, you know, like maybe it like, yeah. comes back to help you in the end. Cause you spent most of your life taking care of these children and making sure that they grew up and grew up nice and strong. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. See, there can be not emotional damage inducing implications, <laughs> right? And then they die. Emotional... Oh, shut up. Oh, no, they still die. Yep. Yeah. No, they no. Die alone. <laughs> oh no. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, Finn, since you just ruined that for us, how about you talk about the one you chose? Sure. So um, I feel like I may or may not have like established myself in some ways as always like in the weird, unusual, out of uh, out of the ordinary, atypical, uh, just character traits or backgrounds or anything. But no, I the background I uh, was most drawn to uh, for just like a fresh playing Gia character was definitely just the the simple hunter and uh i'll give a little bit of a a little bit of a story that i don't know if we i don't know if we went into this uh if we've gone into this in previous episodes but the very first um when we had just when it was is there was a a campaign uh of uh dan adam uh myself my now fiance and uh, another good friend of ours who ended up moving to Maryland, so uh, wasn't able to. Uh, no, he was. We, he played in. He this played isn't relevant. Um, <laughs> but uh, the uh, so Dan was running it, and the very first session we did was a uh, was a hunt, and it sounded like if you don't go into detail, it sounds so basic and. Just like oh, you went and you chased down a. Um, do you remember exactly what what beast it was? It was whatever oh, that know. that five e creature that's was, like a big was... boar. Oh, but there was some saber toothed cat also. There, yes, right? and there was yeah, a saber toothed yeah. cat, and we got into this incredible, like, incredibly evocative uh, and descriptive chase sequence mm. where we were just running across the plains for first sneaking across the plains. Uh, in tall grass, and then uh, there were some stealth checks, and uh, at least one or one or two people didn't make the stealth checks high enough to be not detected by the prey that we were looking for. Um, and then what had started out as like a stealthy adventure through the uh, through the tall grass turned into a uh, a quick jog and broke out into a sprint. And it ended in this incredible, like three, uh, three direction, three party battle between this this beast we were trying to hunt for the clan that we were uh, trying to assist ourselves, and this large uh, saber toothed cat that had been trying to hunt the creature that we were also hunting. And it was one of the simplest, most like, in a lot of ways, basic uh, 
oh, what are you doing in your prehistoric campaign? Oh, we're going and we're hunting down like a big boar thing. And Dan's going to be so annoyed if he listens to this. And he's like, well, it was not a boar. It was a... Um, <laughs> but, this for sure. And it is still like we had a really fantastic time. And that campaign is now on hiatus just so we're switching up who's running games. But we we had some really amazing yeah. stuff going into some really interesting lore, uh, some NPCs in the book from the recusants and other characters. And despite all that, I really think that the single most memorable moment for me was that starting hunt. Yeah. And I just think that if you really want to just get into playing Gia, just drop right in. A hunter is basically one of the best ways to go because there's not, there aren't a ton of expectations. Um, every, every 5e character is going to be able to perform in combat in at least some way. You, you're, you're going to be able to hunt things down if you need to. And it's just such a great way to be like, all right, we're dropping in and we're going. And that's why, and I know that that, that whole story was something <laughs> of a, that could be done uh, like the character I had that wasn't even their background. They weren't even a hunter. But when I think about just a hunt in plain Gia, I think of this incredibly uh, just intense and suspenseful and interesting chase moment we had. Uh, and I can't, and like I said, I can't think of a better way to just drop right in to playing Gia than, than playing a hunter. Yeah, you don't need to know anything, right? You, you literally just, it's simple. It's, it's straightforward. It's, you got to go find the, the prey. You got to hunt it down. You got to bring it back so the clan can survive. Um, and that's, yeah, like you're saying, that's condensed. That's, that's really, uh, uh, you know, as, as simple as you can make plain Gia, that is, is what it is. Uh, obviously, it gets way more complicated in other ways if you, if you want it to be complicated in other ways. But you could, you could keep your campaign all that if you want. It could continuously be a, a fight for survival against ever increasingly dangerous beasts that you keep needing to hunt and bring back and protect the clan then after other people realize that you're such good hunters and want to take you down or yeah anything like that like and i mean if you like if you like hunting it's not just classical hunting but it's the oh i'm 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 so bad david's not here to, to give me a uh, slap on the wrist i cannot remember the name of the group um uh who uh hunts or uh defends the creatures uh, uh, yeah is that isn't there a specific Oh, no, no, no. Uh, isn't there a specific? There they is, have like I some think. sort of red. There's a vet. Oh, yeah, red, the red, red guard. guard. I'm so bad. Red. There's a red guard part of the venom guard. Who are the there? Red. We go. That's who I was right. thinking of. But there's also a venom guard background. I think. Mm? No, it's just, it's just uh, no. it's just it's okay, just okay. <laughs> But no, so so there's so much like there's so much simplicity in that hunter background. It's it's just one of those things that is perfectly suited for uh, whether you want something. Uh, quick drop in. Hey, we're doing a plain geo one shot, or uh, just like uh, you know, starting out as a simple hunter and uh, exploring the the varied uh, and incredibly detailed world of plain geo. Like you can't, you cannot go wrong with a hunter. You will yeah. always, there's always a place for a hunter. Yeah, absolutely. I was just gonna say, I think the other fun thing about playing a hunter is that the background offers like some role playing opportunities. Like you can sit with other hunters and talk about your experiences and actually learn <laughs> things as well, which is what I did <laughs> last yeah, time that's you your, played. Your character did that on our. Well, that's uh, it's funny because that's basically what I as a person on the podcast not even as a character did. just did i was like yeah. these, these thrilling <laughs> tales of the hunt, hunt. <laughs> like, but actually. that's so great like your feature is you get to talk about stuff like that it's it's such great like 
I've heard various different systems suggested for like, oh, how to get some background details out for for characters. And it's like, oh, why don't we tell tales around the campfire? And it's like, yeah, these are going to be tales of these awesome hunts you've gone Constantly on. Constantly telling more tales and tales of, of all the awesome things you've done in the past. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Thank you for bringing that up, Fen. That was a, a really good example of one of the most iconic backgrounds that we have in the book for a very plain Gian, uh <laughs> storyline, for sure. Uh, okay, well, that's wonderful. And I actually then want to bring up quickly uh, a kind of related background that I uh, chose that, that I was most interested in in the book here, uh, which is the Keeper of Beasts. Uh, I was drawn to this because I feel like, like many other people that hear, oh, we're going to have all these dinosaurs, we're going to have all these really megafauna, all these different things. They want it. They want that on their side. They want. <laughs> they want to tame those. They want to ride those. They want to have you know be one with them. They want to have them be friendly <laughs> as much as they can. So uh, the keeper of beasts is, is the best way to potentially do that. And I know some people uh, come to Plangia potentially thinking, oh, they're gonna they're gonna rework five e. They're gonna introduce a whole different way to do Beastmaster for Ranger, or they're gonna do this other you know new rules for taming animals. It's like. Sadly, no, <laughs> but only because that's complicated and difficult and weird a lot of the time whenever you attempt it. <laughs> like, it's it's not that we're, not that we don't think it's possible, but more that we don't think it's something that you can easily fit in this book. There's plenty of supplements out there that you might uh, look to if you're tr looking for more complicated taming or complicated uh, interaction with animals in your games. But... Uh, for Plain Gia, one of the best ways to do it is to play a Keeper of Beasts, uh, which does have, you know, the classic just animal handling, good stuff like that, but also a uh, feature good with animals, which uh, makes it so that you kind of start off on a good foot um, whenever you're talking to a beast. That uh, literally they will uh, they they will try to trust you um, at, the, at the beginning as long as they aren't. Uh, inherently aggressive towards you in the first place, and you're not inherently aggressive towards them. Uh, that doesn't solve every beast encounter ever. Uh, it, it, there's kind of wiggle room in there. But uh, for people who love the idea of, hey, let's go get a Triceratops and go ride it and ride that into battle, if your DM is nice enough, <laughs> that is a potential, and you roll well enough, that is a potential thing that you can do as long as you're a keeper of beasts and probably invest a good bit into being good at animal handling other than just proficiency maybe uh, you might need to go a little further into that but it, it's just it's one i love and it's it does feel that um like you mentioned with the hunter the kind of iconic uh prehistoric idea of oh yeah uh humans and animals working together or stuff like that um which i i just find to be so evocative of playing g in general uh yeah i mean you you said it yourself there's uh a lot of people are interested in um, like the megafauna that we bring, yeah. and I, I think it's great that, like you said, there's you know there's uh, uh, a million and one uh, different uh, homebrew solutions for taming beasts, and uh, it's it's something that isn't necessarily fit for every table. But if you want to bring that, like if if you if you want to be sure to have some of that fit in without having to necessarily complicate your encounters uh the 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 background keeper piece is definitely like a way to to bring that lore in without uh making your gm roll their eyes at like oh god we're going to have 47 <laughs> creatures in initiative oh no yeah you don't want to just carry a zoo around with you that seems a little much maybe be nice
DMs, please. Don't come them with but um but yeah, uh it's definitely a fun choice and uh one to keep in mind when you're thinking of uh playing either, you know, maybe it maybe maybe it can supplement your ranger, maybe it can supplement your your druid, one of those ideas, or just have it on anyone because it can kind of fit with whoever. Um any plenty of options like that for sure. Um, okay, well, with that, I think we're going to move to our uh, our first segment of the night, which is Unexplored Lore. Uh, this is the segment when we talk about uh, a new and iconic, uh, new or iconic monster item or spell through the lens of Plain G and see how they play out. Uh, we picked this week where, that we're going to talk about hags. Um, hags, uh, the the witches, which always oh, is kind of weird that they're called hags in 5e. They're basically just witches, right? I don't know why they need to be called hags. Is that just basically? Um... I mean, they're they're obviously not just witches because they're not they're like a specific type of creature. It's not just like a, yeah, an occupation. It's it's a uh, a fey creature. Except some hags. are fiends. It's very oh gosh. The, 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 well, it's very the... confusing. <laughs> oh jeez. Yeah, but there's some weird ones I agree that have different creature types. But I think they're most associated with kind of a fey aesthetic, which is uh, would would easily align with the, the realm of Nod in Plain G. I feel like witches uh, would have portals to Nod around their cottages, or would be kind of associated with uh, plenty of elves and travelers from Nod and things like that. Just generally, it feels very. Very not adjacent if you're if you're dealing with hags and plagia. Uh, whatever. What does everyone else think about hags? Yeah, Finn. Uh, something that I think is uh, really convenient about hags and plagia is that, like, you think about the the typical, um, like where 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 do you think of hags as being? Like they're creepy, like in like a cottage in like the woods or a swamp or something. And uh, there's. This is going to sound like, well, wow, really? That's that's so insightful. <laughs> but there's a lot of like woods and swamps in Plain <laughs> Gia. There's there. just a lot of areas that it would be appropriate to encounter um, a, a hag, and uh, you could you could have a higher level hag uh, as as a, a god. You could have uh, just they don't necessarily have to be a god. That could just be part of an encounter. But there's um, because people aren't as like there's there's a lot that hags do involving like uh just taking children and 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 things that are very creepy but more importantly you'd think would be like yeah why wouldn't like this is the type of thing that the local heroes of the realm would immediately get on because it's totally unacceptable um because of the less interconnected because there's a lot more uh remoteness to certain elements of plain there's there's less uh there aren't like established uh uh roads and and trade routes in the same way um the a hag could probably get up to a lot more nefarious business without the type of interconnectedness that uh certain settings uh expect and uh therefore they're like particularly suited to be uh, a menace to uh any (laughs) any party or a an uncomfortable uh uh, alliance, not necessarily an alliance, just a, uh, making an, uh, some uncomfortable contracts with a hag. Uh, it's, I mean, it's that de- happens definitely something in in the night thing. Uh, yeah, right, exactly. Um, but you mentioned a god. Are 
hags humanoid? Am I crazy about they're that? They're not humanoid. No, they're not, they're not humanoid. humanoid. Oh, yeah. that's so, so crazy. As, see, as we said, it's it feels like very unclear, be, but... ambiguous. <laughs> There's a whole lot it's of It's like more. humanoids can technically become hags, but once they what? become a hag, they become either fey or humanoid or whatever. I, is so that the case? I thought it's that there, there's some sort of lore in there. Oh, I don't. Maybe. No, I don't think that's true. I think of what it is, and maybe there's maybe both are true. Maybe it's that hags <laughs> will hags will kidnap children, yes, eat them, turn them into hags, replace uh, them with their own spawn, and like oh, just yes, nom on the babies. That's a good point. There's there's all sorts of confusing hag lore which uh, i think there's like this weird like heartstone thing too that has something to do with them and the covens i think i maybe should have researched this a bit more before i decided i mean you can't you can't really whatever. sufficiently research hags too too it's, well because there's a lot of different takes and approaches yeah, fair so like there's no people could be like no no they definitely do take children and turn them into hags and it's like well that could be one like yeah, common not everyone's hags representation yeah fair but uh ava you brought up that there's a hag in uh the layer of the night thing right the uh the one oh my god yeah adventure. yeah i actually i ran that once and i was oh you did was, did i, I didn't know that. run was i part of the running of it well anyway it was a while ago <laughs> but it was really fun to run and the hag just made it so much better because awesome. it gave you like a kind of humanoid thing to interact with that also like i don't know I, I think it was just like in the middle of an adventure that was very centered around like beasts and other like curses and magic um it gave you something that was like almost human to interact with and that was really fun yeah i i don't know i think like hags are I think hags maybe are less differentiated, differentiable from normal people in Plangea because it's like, oh, there's this weird person living in the woods and they well, have a bunch yeah. of weird could, stuff it, in there. Are they a hag or are they a spellskin? Yeah, right. They might wonder if they're a hag yeah. or a spellskin. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. What is the observable difference other than potentially tattoos, which they could have as well? You don't know. They're coming yeah. up. Or oh, my like, God. Oh, my it's, gosh. That's a good point there's a lot of like i like i like monsters where there's like an expected lore to them which isn't necessarily it's not like oh take that and subvert it i like things where they're intentionally kind of or like they're expected to be a little bit uh ambiguous and hags kind of fall in between uh fey and uh fiends if that if that makes sense, uh, Ava's our, our uh, resident uh, expert on on the Fae, so you could be like, I don't yes. agree with what you're saying, or you could totally uh -huh. agree. <laughs> but you you know, you think of the the stereotypical. Um, I've seen I've seen a countless like, oh, uh, my party's uh, m one of my players uh, met they they met uh, the party met a uh, a Fae, and one of them asked if they could have their name, oh, and he God, introduced Jesus himself, Christ. and therefore now they like now they own their name or something like that where yeah, it's like oh 100%. it's like the kind of whimsy funny where it's like is that even necessarily uh insidious or is it just like they are so different despite being similar and then you have stuff like fiends where it's like yes this is unambiguously going to be bad like if you sign a contract <laughs> with the devil you're there's it's always 
there's always a reason that it's going to be bad. Like you know that's what's going on. There's always it's always a price. Whereas hags could very much be like in between the two where it's like, yeah, this is probably bad, but is it necessarily bad for us? <laughs> or for someone usually like someone's gonna suffer, but it's not necessarily our party. So there's it's like ethically bad, it's the, but it's the, would you press the button if you get a million dollars but someone dies somewhere in the world type thing? Where it's the, yeah, the it's, hag would absolutely give you that button. Yeah, where it's like this not, isn't necessarily gonna come back to bite us, but it's definitely going to do it's gonna make the world worse, but like is it is it necessary? Is it a necessary evil? And hags are great for that. Or they could just, like, yeah. you know, kidnap babies and be the bad guy. But <laughs> the fact you. that both of those are kind of valid approaches to hags makes them uh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Spooky. <laughs> spooky. Yeah, Mother Hush uh, in the Lair of the Night thing. Uh, I haven't I haven't run that adventure myself, so I can't speak to it as much as Ava can. Uh, but I, I love some of the kind of evocativeness of that in Plangia and how instantly recognizable it is to like anyone who hasn't run Plangia before. So it's just kind of like, oh yeah, no, everyone has kind of like seen media with like a witch's hut in it or something. Um, but at the same time, it can still feel very, uh, very Plangia. It can f- still feel very different. Like they wouldn't have a metal cauldron. They might have like a, a bone cauldron or something insane somehow. How would that work actually? I have no idea what kind of bone you'd be able to have for a cauldron. It would probably be stone then. But still, <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that you can kind of flavor it and have it be, a very recognizably Plangian thing and still have that really cool, uh, weird, like, is this going to be really bad for us? Is this going to be just okay for us type uh, confusion and uh, intrigue and all that. Uh, so I think that that is an awesome idea to be able to have in Plangia. Um, okay, so anything else anyone wanted to add on hags or are we going to move uh, along back to uh, our main discussion for the night on backgrounds? Good, good discussion on hacks, though. All right. I think we're good, then. If no one's speaking up, I think we're solid. Uh, let's move back to backgrounds. So when we uh, were talking about backgrounds at the top of the show, we were mentioning kind of some of the, uh, obviously, a lot of the role-playing aspects of backgrounds, which is 90% of what backgrounds are, of course. <laughs> That's a good portion of them. But now I want to focus in a little bit more on what you get from the backgrounds. What what uh, a player in-game uh, benefits from having them, and what kind of ways DMs can interact with the backgrounds to use them in-game as well. So kind of the, the actual kind of game benefits uh, and uh, what, you, what you're acquiring when you choose one of these. Um, and so, obviously, each one of these backgrounds has the skill and tool proficiencies or whatever, which you know, everyone gets those. That's not that crazy. But usually there's also features and a uh, the the different role-playing aspects of the, the ideals, the personality traits, all those uh, things that you can choose in this and that will give you, uh, like uh, Zoe mentioned earlier, a different way to play your character that, that might be normal. So um, I want to focus in on uh, some of those aspects, either kind of the features or the uh, personality traits and ideals and bonds and all those. Uh, that are brought up in some of these backgrounds. Uh, I, myself, I mentioned already before the uh, Keeper of Beasts feature, which is the uh, the one that, ba- I think, what was the name of it? I'm now blanking on it. But it basically makes uh, beasts friendlier to you. Good with animals, it's called. There it is. Um, and that is that is like a potentially extremely high value or just kind of, you're going to maybe potentially use that a ton in a campaign. So I think that one 
just as an example, is, you know, you're going to get a ton of use out of that. That's probably one of the backgrounds you want to pick if you really actively want to gain something big from your background, essentially. Uh, if you're just looking for, I don't know, something that is flavor-wise, then potentially the hunting hunting tales from the hunter, like I mentioned before. Those are fun. Those are great. That was, that was a really good choice. But, you know, it's, it's a role-playing thing. So what other, what other kind of benefits do we see from some of these backgrounds? Um, I think that, uh, you know, I wish David was here so we could, uh, just, uh, talk him up to his face, but, uh, there, there is a lot of, uh, like you get varying amounts of quality from some of the, like the, the traits, ideals, bonds, flaws, tables on different backgrounds. Like some of them are really useful and other, uh, other, other content, other books. It's not necessarily as like particularly helpful. I, I, there, there is a particular amount of love put into the, uh, these tables by oh gosh, David yeah. because he, uh, he's the one who puts together, who put together the tables for most, if not all of these, and is also the was at a time the sole creator of playing Gia. So <laughs> there, it, there's like a direct link between, uh, the, the like. The brain behind the setting and the the backgrounds. So there's you know there's certain things that have a little that have a bit of uh, genericness to them, which is which can be very useful. Like the the, the as I was talking about the hunter, where there's um, like one of the ideals. Oh, uh, unity. I am one with those who hunt with me. It's like yeah, okay, that's that's pretty generic, but it's also but there's also a lot of uh, really just nice. Uh, useful little little plot hooks like oh my bond my companion was slain by a terrible monster i still hunt it to this day and that's in playing gia that's like a potential like a really useful potential plot hook um yeah, maybe huge. a monster went on uh maybe a monster went out uh maybe this is, monster is now a god or maybe it's just some roving beast and in playing gia it's not like in in, in another setting where you're like oh now we're out in the like industrial city it's like okay, but I guess the creature that stalked the woods of my childhood home or not, is not going to be as relevant. But there are less cities in um, in Plangea, so stuff like that. There's a lot more opportunity for some of the more simple background features to come into play. Yeah, yeah, it, it feels good when you choose one of those as kind of a major part of your character's story, and then it's able to be incorporated into the story, like not that difficult it's it's a boon for both the player and the dm in that way right where it's like okay it's not going to be like some weird big side quest where only one person is being focused on it's going to be like no this is eminently doable it's built into the world already um and it's potentially relating to multiple uh players at once like maybe the keeper of beasts like i mentioned before maybe they um are trying to uh you know they they have some sort of grudge against one type of beast and they want to uh, raise up one type and put down another or something. And then, so they're allying with the hunter on this sort of uh, hunt for that one beast that, that they're have vengeance against, right? Like there's all these different ways that you can incorporate these things together and have them be uh, creating these awesome primordial stories that, that you wouldn't have otherwise, if you didn't have some of these are uh, role-playing aids essentially for that. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ava and Zoe, uh, Zoe, I want to hear a little bit more from both of you on, uh, some of these, some of these uh, personality traits, and all these things that you you seem to like about the the backgrounds you chose, or any of these backgrounds that you that you're looking at here. 
Yeah, of course. I think to that idea of like having something built into your background that can become a part of your campaign. I know for the captive, your uh, feature is that you've overheard a secret of some kind um, and you get to work with the DM exactly what that secret might be. Oh. And it can potentially tie you further into the plot line. Like maybe you hear some bit of intrigue uh, as a captive and, you know, it helps eventually uncover a plot that you're trying to work with the, like the rest of your party about. I think it's an opportunity to sort of, yeah, you could have a side quest with that one, but you could also just be like further wrapped into the main plot line. And I think that's really interesting that that's kind of built into your background as Whoa. part of like your experience. Oh, wow. I hadn't even noticed that one. Slip by me. Nice. Yeah. No, the, that's, a, that's a wonderful one. And I actually, now that I see that, like so many possibilities for that, right? Like of how you could play with that and have it be like kind of something your characters unsure if they want to share with anyone at any time or because, you know, they might be untrusting or something. Yeah, it can also create sort of like a different brand of plain Gia campaign because it could be like a more mystery campaign or a more like social conflict kind of campaign if you've overheard this sort of secret. Um, it could also be like a hunter-gatherer kind of vibe as well. Um, but uh, it, 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 it gives you more opportunities to kind of explore like elements of plain Gia and especially like if you want to like topple one of the giant empires like maybe you've learned some sort of secret weapon that's hidden in one of the vaults kind of thing in free citadel kind of so like you can you can play around with it and you can create all kinds of fun sort of different ways to maybe that could like later link into a bigger plot yeah no and you bring up a great point that that they could potentially know something uh that would help against the giant empires if if your dm is using the giant empires as a massive threat in the camp in in the world uh then I mean they're kind of hard to ignore, but um, then your you know you know your player might be the key to uh, uh, winning a war against them, to being able to steal some big artifact from them, some some sort of way to uh, kind of fight back. And that's what's so interesting I think about um, the idea of being a captive. Like you could be a captive of technically anyone. Obviously, there could have just been raiders, but like you could have been a captive of someone seriously important someone who like actually did you know was in amongst the the major players of playing Gia. so maybe maybe that ends up being like you know the big bad of who you're trying Furka to bring down noises. in the campaign yeah no simply, that's absolutely simply for yeah no i mean <laughs> uh, you, you can just simply make verka noises if you want or you can expand on that but <laughs> well i mean i yeah. think like you could have been a captive of verka Verka could have realized that you were a captive of someone else and then is trying to like extort that secret from you. I mean, oh, it's yeah. so, Ver oh my God. <laughs> Verka, There's a lot of opportunities to interface with that faction. Yeah. With him as well, yeah. Or them. It's We're trying to non-canonize him, uh, What what's any details about Verka so you can use what you want <laughs> for your Verka. But, um. Verka's yeah. so weird. I love that motherfucker. Okay, let's we could we could actually easily go. We could do a whole podcast about that. We, I think won't, we, won't. we had mentioned Verka in some podcast in the past. Um, I think it might have been on one of other segments that we talked about. So let's not get too far into it because <laughs> we have already. But I I also love Verka. I think it's such a fascinating such a fascinating um, person to interact with and use in your in your D and D world. So. I'm into that for sure. But Ava, um, what were some features or uh, bonds or uh, personality traits that you wanted to highlight from? I'm super uh, guilty of one thing as a part of the story team, yeah. which is that I have not looked at the book yet. I still won't. 
Because you want to save the art, you right? Can't that your, you can't your... fucking make me this. <laughs> you want to save the art. We run stuff the... by Ava, and then whenever anything is ready, Ava's like, I do not want to look at anything until all the art is finalized. <laughs> yes. It's like, that could take a while, you know? Yes, like, I know. <laughs> it's okay. You're forcing yourself wait. to wait much longer than you potentially have otherwise. Anyway, right. anyway, I don't know. I don't know. I saw the caretaker and it really stuck with me actually like a year and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So you haven't read so the, when you the asked specific me about thing. backgrounds, you were I was like, I know what I'm gonna do. Gotcha. Um Yeah, no, totally. And fair. but I I mean I, I will say that like I don't know what the features are, but I bet <laughs> Well, I, we can help you here a little bit, and we can at least uh, oh, share with you yeah. some of the. Do we want to look at the caretaker feature? Here. Yeah, the opposite so, of marketing. The opposite <laughs> of marketing. It's like I'm pretty sure it's good content, right? And we're like, yes, Ava, it is good content. Thank you. <laughs> well, I know it'll be good. I just know exactly. it is. So it's uh, funny this, because like... you mentioned uh, the feature, and the feature of the caretaker is basically the same as the feature that the keeper of beasts get, except with children and not beasts. Oh God. <laughs> Is that children trust you? <laughs> but wasn't there also a version for the elderly? Yes, there I is. So. Uh, there's yeah. a variant of caretaker which is uh, cares for the infirm, uh, I believe. Which is oh, um, I, I, it's you could be raising children or you could be taking care of the elderly. And this is this is more of what I'm talking about when I say that uh... David has really put in a lot of like the backgrounds here are are very. Uh, like precisely made to interface with the 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 setting lore and the the vibe of Plangia. Um yeah. and obviously there aren't uh that ba- a, a lot of times people will be making uh will be making characters and just picking whatever background gives them the 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 proficiencies that they want but if you're if you're playing someone who can afford if if you can afford it and also the fact that uh you can always uh per raw just move around uh various proficiencies just looking into some of the 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 flavor text for these backgrounds is really like the majority of what i think the backgrounds are bringing here um i you know it depends on on the on the type of game you're running um sometimes those like oh here are your background features aren't necessarily going to come up with some dms as frequently as they would with others but the just like for getting into character for understanding the world just have like these these backgrounds are sort of summaries of how uh a large subset of the population of plangia uh is going about their day-to-day lives and that's like a really cool element that allows for um like getting into character but not even necessarily just getting into character just getting understanding the yeah the the whole uh, flavor and and feel of Flangia. Yeah, and like I mentioned earlier, with uh, different styles of players would uh, read or not read a whole bunch about the book or about Flangia in general. Uh, it doesn't matter how much they potentially read about this the setting and how it works and all the different interconnecting things. If they at least know their background, that's actually still giving them a really good insight into how like you're mentioning how clan life works so yeah it, it does teach them about the world um even though it's not teaching them about about like a specific part of the world it's teaching them about how it how it functions how clan life works there's i think there's 
a whole section in the book about clan life generally about you know how how you would just kind of um portray uh, clans uh working together and all these different roles and part of it and and background is a part of that you know the caretaker the the hunter all those are part of how a clan gets put together so i absolutely agree that that's a very uh crucial part for players to be able to actually learn about the setting a little bit if they haven't otherwise yeah i think the backgrounds are kind of like a nice little crash course where you can kind of read them over get okay like okay this is who my character is going to be and then from there as you're building like a backstory you can go okay kind of look further into this maybe and then actually go back and read the lore and kind of go deeper um but especially like if this is your first time getting into something having a little bit of a crash course especially with maybe the more general backgrounds um it's a lot easier to kind of introduce yourself into a world that is quite different from regular 5e especially if that's the only kind of game you've ever played which was my experience before anything like i only ever played regular kind of uh Average five e vanilla like yeah very vanilla. I always struggle to know the term for it too. Like I always say like medieval or forgotten realms or something. But it's so not medieval. Like it's no, it's it's, not. It's not remotely close. But it's like what people there's like a there's like a hive mind for like what people think of because like (laughs) it's difficult to describe. It's very much like you know it when you see it type of thing. Where... It's like high fantasy is like the vibe. It's not. It's not tied to a specific time period. Specific because yeah. if you were thinking about it, I would say it's like between Renaissance and like medieval ish kind Somewhere of with there. magic. Yeah. It's just not a very good analog. Guns. Basically, you're right. <laughs> it's like hard to like t- pinpoint a time for it. Anyway, but but like you're saying, it, 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 when you have only played in that sort of world, and then you look into something like a background. Uh, it kind of pulls you in. I agree. I totally agree. Where where it's it's a little bit of a, a a taste of the world where you're like, okay, well, maybe I can start looking at some of this, and then you get pulled in, pulled in. And so before you know it, you're reading the whole Star Shaman Song of Plagia. You know, <laughs> that's how we get you. <laughs> um. All right. Well, I think was there other parts of these. Uh, traits any any one of these things that i wanted to cover any one of these backgrounds that i thought i I think that for so much it's like individual backgrounds are never going to be like you know people people will be like oh look at these exciting subclasses look at this these exciting monsters i i don't think people really get as excited against about individual backgrounds and obviously like we know that it would be ludicrous ours to be like <laughs> oh yeah you should buy this book for this background. market it for the backgrounds <laughs> the, the backgrounds in general are there's there's so much world lore and setting lore and but as as zoe was saying it can be it it, it can be uh not like a challenge no i guess challenging perhaps it can be a little bit out of people's uh, wheelhouse, throwing together a character for such a, a different setting. True, and there is so much lore for you can you can read all about the cities, the clans, the uh, the villains, the 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 myths, the legends of Plangia. But really, like if you're if you're trying to play in in the setting, you you need to be able to understand what a person in the setting would be like. And I think that. The backgrounds do a. There's there. I was joking. I I made a joke earlier about like opposite of marketing. But for for <laughs> me as someone who isn't always like, oh wow, these backgrounds. 
the backgrounds in in the book are surprisingly compelling compared to <laughs> what is often oftentimes feels like a just like oh yeah i need to pick a background for my character there is a lot of built-in lore and because of the uh interconnectedness of the of so much in plangia there's there's a lot that you can get out of these backgrounds yeah absolutely agreed that's a really good point um all right, now now I feel like we're just talking up David even more, which is o- only a good thing. I mean, <laughs> he'll just be listening to this and, and be turning beet red, I'm sure. But uh, you're absolutely right, though, that there's such care put into these. Um, and it feels like you actually do get so much out of them when you just read through the tables. Because uh, I, I don't know about you guys, I never actually roll on a table for, <laughs> for an ideal or a bond. I pick one almost always. I don't think that's really a thing oh, people absolutely. do often. Like, yeah, always pick. <laughs> yeah, Maybe basically. for a one-shot. Yeah, that would be kind of fun. But, uh, but I almost never roll on these tables. But still, it's super interesting to read through each and every single one of them, even the ones that you almost definitely would immediately not pick and just be like, oh, so that's what the other people of the ape clan might be like. Or that's what another person who is a hunter might be like in a different way from the way that I want to play my character. Like that's uh, You're learning about the other types of people that are like your character at the same time as you're learning about your character. I think that's a really, really useful tool if you're looking for some more sort of motivation or knowledge about like, oh yeah, like maybe a, a captive would just look for like, you know, uh, uh, a safe spot everywhere they go. Like they're just they're just kind of looking for like a shelter or whatever, basically. You know, instead of uh, instead of someone who looks for vengeance like uh, like COVID did. <laughs> you know, like there's there's multiple ways to be pulling that. Um, all right. Well, I think we're generally moving through these in a good clip, and I think we've mostly covered all of what I wanted to talk about with each of you bring up a really great points about uh, each of these backgrounds. Is there more that anyone wanted to bring up about backgrounds or should we move to our last uh, segment for the night? I'm ready to send I'm, it. I'm good, yeah. All right. So are you good too? Just want to double check. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, no, that's fair. And again, like, like Finn mentioned, it's like, these aren't going to be the like thing that pulls people in necessarily, but they are surprisingly high value. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, to me, they were the things that pulled me in because yeah. I pretty much exclusively exist as a player in all circumstances. <laughs> so I was like, "Ooh, look at all these really fascinating backgrounds that I could like futz yeah. with and be my character <laughs> with." I, I can I love reading through I, all of these. <laughs> that's actually like a really valuable perspective because the rest of us have all been on the like content creating side of things here. Yeah. Um, for playing Gia for so long that uh, it's easy to be like, oh yeah, I know that I know everything uh, like the back of my hand. So it's you know I don't I don't need to know how to s- settle into the the setting. But for uh, here, be, confirming that the backgrounds are doing exactly what they're supposed to uh, really is good. is great. Yeah, it, it's it's extra confirming for me because I was just like. Is this a good topic for a podcast? Oh, Can we oh, talk yeah, about absolutely. it for the whole time? And I'm like, okay, phew, apparently it is. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I think okay, the, the, the backgrounds were the first documents I even really read about oh. Plangia because they were all there. And I was like, Dan, can you help me? I'm trying to make this character and I don't uh, know what to do. And he was like, behold, all of the backgrounds. And I was perfect. like, oh, brilliant. I don't have yes. to try and like worm my way through like bending a, a 5e background into this world that i don't have any experience yeah. with. oh my god i was i was looking at some of the, the default ones earlier actually when we were talking about them and i was like that would be that would be a little annoying <laughs> to have to be like i'm a noble but not actually a noble because there aren't really like you know land 
people who own land. So like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that doesn't really make any sense. So I guess I have to be this or that. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. yeah. That was literally my circumstance. I was trying to bend Noble into something that oh, I was really? trying to work with. Oh, and he fun. was like, look, there's Chieftain's Kin. And I was like, ah, yeah. outstanding. Perfect. The perfect <laughs> analog actually there. That is ideal. Yeah. Okay, that is wonderful to know. Thank you very much for, for that insight. Yeah, um, of course. That's awesome. All right, great. Then let's move on to our last segment for the night, which is people, places, and things. Uh, this is the uh, time where we talk about one location, faction, or threat from Plangia. Um, and today we're going to wrap up the show talking about deep thought. I think it's deep. Is it deep? The deep thought, or is it just deep thought? I'm always going to question deep thought. all of these things at all times, but that that checks out to me. It's just called deep thought, which um, is one of I feel like the more mysterious threats in Plangia. Um, deep thought, if I can summarize it best, is a uh, prehistoric computer, basically. <laughs> um, and again, I'm always going to be like doubting myself. Am I getting this right? But I think I am. In that it is essentially just computing and biding its time uh that is the the lore in the current state of plangia that deep thought is waiting and biding its time until it can uh like conquer all of plangia do something destroy all of plangia it's not really known what it is or what its intentions are but it's known that it it is a a const a constructed uh basically computing uh it's a, I think it's like a tower at this point. <laughs> Again, I really should have confirmed some of this beforehand. It's, it's, um, it's intentionally mysterious. It's a towering it's, monolith. It's a monolith. Thank you. That is useful. It's, it's this large, um, mysterious, uh, not really. I love that you have no idea what this that's, is. That's like, it's so the mysterious that I don't know. person would have no idea. They'd be like, mm, that's raw. Yeah. It's a rock. Like it I'm looks, looking, I'm looking like at rock. the deep thought session. And rock I'm still with a hole like, in it. it I, is, I know what it is, but I'm still like, what is it? Actually? I mean, that's kind of the point. It's not <laughs> yeah. it, if it. It's very much the type of thing where if you're like, oh my god, there's a like a magical, uh, non-metal prehistoric uh, computer that's underneath Plangia and it's doing all this stuff. It's like, yeah, if, if that's fleshed out too much, it's very clearly going to be like, that's the plot. So, like, uh, like many of the other, uh, many of the other things, uh, many of the other threats, it's not, it's, it's, it's important, but it's given a kind of light touch, and particularly because uh, the like prehistoric rock computer isn't necessarily everybody's type of fantasy. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's a lot easier. Like, oh, we got we got dragons, uh, <laughs> we got we got giants, uh, we got we got vampires. Deep thought <laughs> is uh, a lot, a lot different from the the typical um i i love it so much it <laughs> it's is, like you would include it for sure <laughs> it's so compelling to me because part of it was in the very beginning uh of uh when plain g was being put together um uh, when like the uh, or at least not the very beginning more like the very beginning of it being it being published to the outside world there was a lot of like pull like push and pull uh and and clarification surrounding the taboos um oh my god still though particularly like oh is metal taboo like i remember i saw somebody uh many moons ago i saw someone throw there was like some some quick uh uh homebrew that somebody put together about like oh look at this person they're like a big bad scary guy because they have like a an iron golem and i was like well 
I don't think it was at that time. It wasn't necessarily as clear in some ways that um, metal was. It's not taboo. It's just not there. Um, but deep thought kind of emerged from this, like, hey, so Plangia is supposed to be like this, like beginning of things setting. But if you want to uh, kind of have it integrate, you could have like, oh, look at this, like crashed spaceship, this type of thing. And we kind of ran from it from there as like, how can we capture that flavor of like this weird technology thing without also throwing away one of the like, oh, we're playing like secretly there's metal out there. Um, and Deep Thought was kind of the what what emerged from that, like the way that it, it was it was gone into. Cause I think at the very beginning, David was like, Should this be like an actual robot? <laughs> um and instead it's like, no, 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 it fits into the lore now. But it's just the the idea of this like foreign uh not foreign alien but not literally alien the same way as aberration uh <laughs> intelligence that is just like calculating and processing and doesn't really have so much of an uh, of an agenda is is interesting it's one of the less clear threats uh like you know uh oh if but it's actually uh, doing in the world is less yeah clear. like the giants want to go and like conquer the 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 great valley um deep thought it's it's being spooky and it's like capturing people and investigating things, but it's not, it, there's a lot, it's, it's a lot of, it's very much like, Oh, how does the DM want to want to run this? But there's a, there's very much it. You could bump into, you could think you were fighting against the recusants for like many sessions and then turn out that like, Nope, that's just some weird deep thought thing because they're so like, what it does is so enigmatic that it wouldn't necessarily be clear what was going on um, yeah. at first, and I think that's part of the reason that it's that it's really interesting. This whole like creepy, uh, this creepy um, robots constructs. I love constructs in Plangia. They're so interesting, like big stone golems, things like that are so interesting <laughs> to me. Uh, it's flesh in a golem. world without tech. Well, yeah, flesh golems, yeah, but like. <laughs> There's flesh in Plangia and there's flesh in non-Plangia. But stone in Plangia is particularly, it's like not just a material. It's like, right. well, there's no metal. So a stone golem is like the big spooky, it, like it's one of the big spooky things. Um, it would be the, and the just, higher tier, right? Yeah. Yeah. And just there's like you read, reading about uh, like the, the returned who are, uh, aesthetics of uh of deep thought who oh, yeah. can be just like reconstructed from their memories um they're like more or less warforged but not like so like the Can't the technically the, say they're warforged well the, the my understanding the eberron warforged lore it's like they're genuinely like they're individuals who are born as warforged like the soul oh, the whatever the magic know. is it's not like oh we put a soul into somebody um, they're their own individuals, unless I'm out of date on my Eberron lore. No Whereas this idea, like, oh yeah, you had these like uh, captives or willing or uh, just uh, like dedicated uh, fanat fanatics or unwilling uh, drones, unclear of deep thought, who then died and were reassembled as aut automatons. It's it's very much like. <laughs> it's a very specific type of unsettling in the like organic uh megafauna uh 
uh, stone and bone playing Gia, that is just like the the juxtaposition there makes it extra exciting. Yeah. Oh, and what's so cool to me in the in the first place is that basically, um, I think how David approached threats in the first place was to try to take the all the different types of um, of creatures and create a threat for each of them. Um, or at least a threat that would include heavily one of them, and this is the threat that it would include heavily constructs, which makes sense because, like, you know, <laughs> how else are you going to incorporate the people who have a lot of constructs into Plangea and not have it be something that is a construct and therefore has to have some weird intelligence or super intelligence mm-hmm. to it? Um, which I find really awesome. And, like, it's not like we've provided any sort of, like, here's a deep thought stat block or a location where it would be found. Like it's, it's very like, if you want to include this in your plane, Gia, you can absolutely do that. But if you, it's not your type of, of threat, if it's not your jam, you can just ignore it. It's very easy to be like, no, they just don't exist in my plane. Or there's the know. exciting third option, which is where you pretend it's not appropriate. And then like halfway into a campaign, <laughs> it's like, wait, you just, you just go back to your village and you're like, uh, it's <laughs> all, no. mar- it's all, Stone marionettes. What happened? Oh, jeez. You really like that uh, dig the knife in type thing, don't you? (laughs) It's just like, oh, that seems fun. Kill their whole village. Like, gosh. Brutal. But yeah, no, I I totally get you. Um, It's interesting that, like, we have so so little lore on Deep Thought, and it did so well. I'm going to stay mad about this, that it did better than the Fiendish Gods. Um, on our oh, there, there was a yeah, there was a tiny little poll about your favorite threat in the Discord, and yeah, it did. Yeah. Oh, I like. I'm so. I'm really <laughs> just like, curious. Well, like how? Why do you? <laughs> I like, like so cool. had forgotten about. You need, you're gonna need to think deeply about that one. Ah, shut up. Just like hard <laughs> cut. Don't do an outro. Just end the podcast. Just right there. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> I mean, I part of that Ava is that I think like fiends are, like it's it's you know what fiends are up to. It's not too hard to throw it. They are fun, but I don't think we need to use David's incredible writing talents to be like, (laughs) this is a fiend. They're bad. Oh my god! You can do so much with them. (laughs) He can so much. But again, there's there's cooler options and also more plain Gian options necessarily. So we have to keep that in mind. I will allow you to live with that. However, yeah, it's so, yeah, it's yeah. so good. I hear you. I hear you for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, a, no. I'm sorry. No, I was ahead. just gonna say this is a very small detail, but it's just something that kind of stood out to me. The idea, like the sample collection that he holds, like, or sorry, the computer holds like a, a, a like a oh, sample yeah. of one creature living or dead and if there's anything unique or like different it's it's subject for like acquisition and analysis and it just gave me like the collector from marvel vibes oh, just this idea yeah. that there's like a bunch of beings just like 100%. trapped in boxes like in jars yeah, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> and just waiting to be studied and analyzed it's also just like creepy oh, sci-fi vibes which perfect. i understand is kind of part of the 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 flavor of this um this threat uh, it's it, it's uh, that's kind of evocative to me like something oh, about your character is unique because yes. obviously the, the player character and suddenly you're taken and uh subject to uh experiments and things like that <laughs> that'd be an interesting background too honestly pretty spooky <laughs> yeah but definitely that would be a crazy way to like start off of like yeah we know there's this thing out there and it like 
had me captive for a long time and studied me. That, that's ooh, that's a little captive nice. background. Oh, that's a captive thought. background. <laughs> yeah, it's like it worked out. We tied it, it back. It comes in. back to the captive background. Uh, that also makes me think for some reason when it says, "Oh, it has one of everything." It's like, what if it took two of everything? And then oh, shut up! The Stop. hounds, the hounds no. killed everyone. And, and that deep thought rebuilt the world. Oh God! After the hounds killed everyone, <laughs> with uh, the the uh, deep thought arc, you know. <laughs> that would be insane. That would be a little much. Be, but... Oh my god. Make it stop. This, isn't, that just, isn't that just the I'm plot of Halo? The it's the plot uh, of the Bible. What? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I think Halo came first. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, come Halo on, Ava. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Christ. Yeah, come on. Come on. You should know that. <laughs> um, the oh, Bible yeah, is Halo, actually. That's, there it that's is. how that story came about. Is this a Halo reference? Anyway, sorry. Oh, We're kidding. Uh, very off track. The oh, last thing I wanted to mention about the deep thought before we uh, finish up for the night is the conclusion, um, which oh is my God. terrifying. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I believe is taking inspiration. Dave, David took inspiration from the last question, which mm -hmm. if you've not heard of that, it's a short short a short story, a short story written. I th is it by Isaac Asimov? No, it's by. I'm like. I think so. I'm pretty sure. I want to get this right because, yes, it is by Isaac Asimov. It is. My, my favorite sci-fi author. Anyway, um, the last question is just literally a short story about um, will the universe die? Um, and that is the last question. And no one can ever figure out if it's, or if it won't die. That's The question is, will, will the universe eventually die or not? And they can't answer the question. Um, no one can answer the question. Uh, Specifically, it's like, like can uh, entropy be reversed? Correct. Can the, the laws of thermodynamics be overcome? Can can deterioration ever end? Um, and apparently, they don't know. Of even till the end of the universe, they don't know if it can be reversed. And that is the most existential dread that I will ever have. I'm pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the conclusion that Deep Thought had isn't explicitly that, but that's what I imagine that that's what that is. It's the conclusion is what it comes to when it calculates what Plangea, whether Plangea will live or whether it will die. Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus, what the That's fuck? Fine. Sorry, sorry, I was a little dark, but <laughs> that is that is a, a fascinating question for me in the realm of sci-fi fantasy. And that's awesome that David has included something similar to that in the book, even though potentially that's not necessarily what the conclusion is. That's just my interpretation of it. Your conclusion could be something entirely different. Um, no, it, but you're part of the story team, so you can create canon, obviously. I, uh, like I, I do, do all the I'm time. I'm going to take your, your I do canon <laughs> thing. It's your thing. I'll let you do that. You can canonize it for me if you want. That's oh, man. Uh, yes. Where is my massive hammer? Uh... <laughs> just just take my table. Okay, I mean, you literally you went and got it. Canonize. <laughs> She's got like blacksmithing tools in her room. I literally I just yeah, got I, a blacksmithing hammer. Oh, you did. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I said. Zoe, were you gonna say something? Just oh, I was just say, Ava, you own the cave paintings channel. Like that's your. That's literally yours. <laughs> it's uh, my domain. <laughs> your own favorite terrain. Exactly. I honestly oh, didn't even realize it existed for so long until I like saw it, and I was like, "Hey, David, what the fuck? Don't mind if I do." You see. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Well, uh, I think that is a good spot to stop talking about deep thought. And uh, can 
go to our conclusion for the night because uh, we talked about a lot of things tonight, a lot of great things tonight. Uh, I'll get a last word from anyone if anyone has other things to mention about anything we talked about tonight, backgrounds, hags, deep thought, anything we mentioned at any point. Uh, if you want to rant about Verka or whatever, Ava, you can. Up to you. But uh, no, let's, don't let's start... don't say. Please don't say <laughs> okay. that because we're going to be like another <laughs> thirty minutes. No, oh, no, oh no, sorry. Uh, okay, but Zoe, why don't you start us off? Uh, if there's any last word you want, you don't need to have one. Uh, no, I think I, I said every piece that I wanted to talk about. Uh, I wish I could have spoken more about the hags, but all I could think about was like The Witcher 3, and I didn't think that was productive <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> hey, that's reasonable. That's very fair. That is, that is uh, super relevant to some people's uh, view of hags. So that, that <laughs> All right, Ava, please. Please. Anything in less on spot. <laughs> Support Fiendish Gods. There you go. <laughs> get, get some votes in for those. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> After all this time, it finally yeah. jumped up to first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, and Finn, any any last thoughts? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. I think we, I think we covered a lot. Um, and we're gonna keep podcasting for those. Uh, you know, it's not relevant for those listening on any any yeah. service, any music streaming service or podcast service, but. <laughs> Like, record yeah. another one of these after these so we don't Damn. want to use up all our content exactly we'll we'll save we'll just talk about deep thought right again it's like oh wow it's like funny oh, they weird. got right back to that after two weeks yeah <laughs> no, no, no. we're gonna save it we're gonna save it all right great uh well that's it for tonight thanks for listening this has been the clan fire if you want to learn more about the setting you can go to plangia.com or click the link in our click the link in our show notes i will also put the link to the discord server uh where the festival of the clans is happening just as a last reminder you can uh spread a word about the setting by rating and reviewing this podcast and also go to plangia on social media you can find each of us on the Plangia Discord server, and we'd love to see you there. I'm Havoc. Uh, Ava is chaotic good neighbor. Zoe is wayward child. Finn is Finn. Um, until next time, have fun. Every time, I always want to say I keep it simple, but I've said that like every single time, and I I sound like a broken record. They, they get it at this point. He does keep it simple. <laughs> wait, 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 Finn. Do you keep it simple? Oh my god. Please <laughs> oh, just cut that. Don't put that in there. Until next time, have fun. <laughs> and let us know the various backgrounds.